ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. G'day, welcome to PM. I'm David Lipson coming to you from Gadigal land in Sydney. Tonight, a broken election promise or a pragmatic decision born of necessity. Anthony Albanese begins the big sell of his tax cut overhaul. The Prime Minister's also announced a consumer watchdog probe into claims supermarkets are price gouging should they be worried. The retailers are very concerned about their reputation. They should be if they want to keep customers coming back. So findings and recommendations do make a difference to them. And Queenslanders prepare for destructive winds and torrential rain as Cyclone Kiralee is upgraded to a Category 3 storm. Thanks for your company. Does the cost of living crisis justify breaking an election promise? The Prime Minister today set about trying to explain his overhaul of the Stage 3 tax cuts, claiming the major policy shift was necessary because the economic circumstances have changed. It's a permanent fix to the temporary problem of cost-of-living pain that'll benefit lower- and middle-income earners in particular. The opposition says the Prime Minister has knowingly and willingly lied to the Australian people. Samantha Donovan begins our coverage. In a speech to the National Press Club in Canberra today, the Prime Minister explained why the government is changing the plans for Stage 3 tax cuts. As Prime Minister, I've always said I'd be upfront with people and I'd take responsibility for the decisions that my government makes. And I'm doing that today. When economic circumstances change, the right thing to do is to change economic policy. And that's what we are doing with a plan that delivers a tax cut for every taxpayer. If Parliament passes the proposed changes, the lowest rate of income tax would be reduced from 19 cents in the dollar to 16 cents. That would mean people earning less than $45,000 would get a tax cut and all workers paying tax would pay less to the government on the first 45000 they earn. An early educator or an aged care worker or a cleaner earning $50,000 will receive a tax cut worth over $900 a year. These tax cuts will provide meaningful help for parents returning to work, particularly women with young children. An increase in their take-home pay is a powerful incentive. And this is where our broad and fair tax cuts that benefit workers also deliver for business by increasing workforce participation. The tax rate would also be cut for middle-income earners from 32.5% to 30% and would apply to people earning between $45,000 and $135,000. The 37% tax rate would stay in place, but it wouldn't apply until a worker's earning $135,000 or more, rather than $120,000, as it applies now. The top tax rate of 45% would kick in at $190,000, rather than a The average wage in Australia is $73,000. A person earning that will now get a tax cut of more than $1,500 a year. More than double what they would have got under the plan put forward by Scott Morrison. Consider a full-time worker earning $100,000 a year. They will get a tax cut of over $2,000 
$100. Leaving workers with more money to spend runs the risk of fueling inflation, though. But the Prime Minister said Treasury has advised the government the tax changes won't have that effect. We have taken the unusual step to publicly release the advice from Treasury. And I quote, This option is broadly revenue neutral and will not add to inflationary pressures and will support labour supply. After his speech, Mr Albanese was grilled by journalists on the proposed changes. The ABC's Laura Tingle is the Press Club president. Every other Prime Minister who's broken a major promise has gone on to lose their job. Paul Keating and his LAW tax cuts, Tony Abbott cutting health and, uh, well, the ABC. Um, Julia Gillard on the carbon tax and Kevin Rudd on the CPRS. Why will Anthony Albanese be different? We're being very upfront with the Australian people that when economic circumstances have changed, it is the responsible thing to do to change our policy. And he rejected the suggestion he was lying to the public when he said as late as last week that the Stage 3 tax cuts would go ahead as planned. We changed our position on Tuesday. The opposition leader Peter Dutton says changing the Stage 3 tax cut plans shows the Prime Minister is deceptive and tricky. And now he's taken it to the next level and I think he's destroyed his leadership. And I think the Australian public at the moment are really despairing about who really is the true Anthony Albanese because at the moment we're seeing a political charlatan uh, who's prepared to do or say anything. He thinks Mr Albanese has made today's tax announcement with an eye on the Dunkley by-election in Melbourne's outer southeast in March. I think he's recognised that there are people on lower and middle incomes in Dunkley and that this model that he's changed that he's proposed today is front and centre to trying to win political opportunity for the Labor Party in Dunkley. The Greens say they'll use their power in Parliament to get more help for low- and middle-income earners. If Parliament passes the government's new plan for tax cuts, they'll come into effect on July the 1st this year. Samantha Donovan there. The Finance Minister is Katie Gallagher. She joined me earlier. Katie Gallagher, thanks for your time. The cost of living crisis is temporary. In fact, we're told inflation has already peaked. Why are the tax changes permanent? Well, look, um, we, we'd supported um, tax changes and returning um, bracket creep. I think all governments um, do that at the right time. Um, we want people to have more money in their pockets, uh, more of what they earn, uh, and that's why we've looked at a sensible and responsible way uh, to uh, revise uh, the tax cuts that were planned into a better way that gets to more people and gives more people a bigger tax cut. Yes, it does give more people a bigger tax cut, but as I say, it, it does so in a way that will remain in place long after the cost of living crisis is over. Is that appropriate? Well, um, certainly from our point of view, we think it is. Um, these changes are uh, going to be legislated. They will be ongoing, but they certainly, uh, with coming into effect on the 1st of July, will give households, particularly middle Australia, um, more money in their pocket to help them deal with some of those cost pressures they've been seeing. And, you know, we've managed under this package and we've carefully considered it. We've looked at all um, the possible options about how to best do this in a responsible way, but we wanted a way to reach more people and to return people um, 
people's money through the tax system uh, back into their pockets, particularly with the sustained cost of living pressures people are under. The changes mean the government will rake in $28 billion in additional tax revenue over the decade due to bracket creep. Are you concerned that Australians will be paying much more tax in the medium to long term? Well, as uh, the Treasury advice shows, and we've released that uh, advice uh, today that the average taxpayer will pay less of their income in tax for at least the next decade and that's as far as the projections go under our plan. This gives a bigger benefit to more Australians. It provides a better way to provide relief from bracket creep Um, and we're recognising that middle Australia are under the pump but you know I think we're always looking for ways to provide relief uh, where it's possible and where economic and fiscal circumstances allow I think all governments seek to return bracket creep Uh, and it's open to future governments to do so. Explain for us how this will help women in particular. Well, we know that uh, women uh, predominantly, well, large numbers of women are in the lower and middle income um, brackets. Uh, We know women uh, are also more represented in uh, the part-time employment, lower paid part-time work. And this package will ensure that 100% of women get a a tax cut, which is um, not the way under the under you know what was legislated under Scott Morrison's plan five years ago. But really importantly, 90% of women workers will get a bigger pay cut, uh, sorry, a bigger tax cut, which is um, actually going to those highly feminised industries like aged care, like teachers, like nurses, um, those areas where you will see, you know, upwards of 90% of, of people working in those industries getting a much bigger tax cut. And this has been through a gender impact assessment. The advice from Treasury is very clear that the proposal that the Prime Minister put forward today has a significantly positive impact on women workers across the board. You've said there were discussions and work on this package over summer. Did that work and those discussions begin before or after Christmas? Well, I think, you know, um, late last year, you know, there, we uh, had a think about uh, taking further advice. I think the Prime Minister was clear on that over the Christmas break, uh, that he had sought that advice. Uh, and, you know, we've been working through that over the last couple of weeks um, through January and, you know, went through our government processes in the last week. Um, so, you know, the ERC met earlier this week, the Cabinets met, the Ministries met and Caucus met yesterday uh, to consider this proposal. As recently as last week, the Prime Minister said he was committed to delivering the original Stage 3 tax cuts as promised. Clearly there was an attempt to manage the message here because the work was already well underway, although it hadn't been through Cabinet. Um, You know, there were ads prepared to be rolled out today. Has the government chosen political expediency over integrity here? Absolutely not. I mean... (laughs) We the the cabinet agreed on Tuesday to a change to our position. I mean, the the prime minister is a strong believer in cabinet government and showing the cabinet the respect uh, that it deserves and the caucus around making decisions. We've taken it through our processes, and the prime minister is addressing the press club today with the top journalists in the country. Um, questioning him. I mean, that's uh, all about integrity and it's all about being upfront and it's all about taking responsibility for what has been a change in our position and we acknowledge that. Uh, And, you know, we are answering questions and being upfront with people and letting them know that this tax plan uh, will deliver bigger 
tax cuts to millions and millions of Australians who are doing it tough right now. Do you worry personally about being branded a government that doesn't keep its promises? Well, I think the the Prime Minister has addressed this front on uh, today. Um, We recognise that there will be politics associated with this, but we have put people and addressing cost of living pressures ahead of those politics. And it's our responsibility to go out and explain about why our position has changed. And, you know, as the PM said today, his job and his responsibility is to do the right thing by people, not the necessarily the easy thing. Uh, and that's why we've been out talking about this today and absolutely has, um, you know, fed into the decisions we've taken about making sure that we can give more Australians, millions and millions of Australians, a bigger tax cut come 1 July to help them through this sustained period where cost of living pressures are real. Finance Minister Katie Gallagher, thanks for being with us. Thanks very much, David. Well, more now on that question of integrity. Anthony Albanese insists after consulting widely, he made the right decision for the right reasons. But why are we only learning of the changes now? Those in less affluent seats seem to be welcoming the policy pivot, while there are some raised eyebrows in wealthier electorates. Here's reporter David Taylor. Politicians have a habit of making promises they don't always keep. Here's former Prime Minister John Howard insisting he would not introduce a goods and services tax, or GST. There's no way that uh, GST will ever be part of our policy. Never, ever. Never, ever. It's dead. Fast forward to the 2022 general election and Anthony Albanese pledged repeatedly not to touch the coalition's tax policy, including the legislated Stage 3 tax cuts. Well, they are legislated and one of the things that people have a right uh, to believe is that when a politician makes a commitment before an election, they keep it. And I intend to do just that. But today he broke that commitment and announced changes to the Stage 3 tax cuts. There's broad agreement the Prime Minister broke an election promise. But does it go deeper than that? We learned today the Prime Minister sought advice early in January across government and the public sector, including Treasury and the Reserve Bank, on how Labor's proposed changes would affect the economy. The member for Warringah, Teal MP Zali Stegall, told ABC Radio Sydney Anthony Albanese knew weeks or months ago changes to the Stage 3 tax cuts were on the cards and chose not to tell the Australian people. My issue, though, is integrity of the Prime Minister and the Treasurer because they clearly uh, commissioned these changes and and started costing them some weeks or months ago. And so there was an opportunity to be honest with the Australian people and say, look, because of the current circumstances, we are looking at this and trying to come up with a better model. You know, we have a problem of trust in government and integrity. And so because you like the, some people like the outcome of this one, are they saying this lie or broken promise is OK versus others? I have an issue with that. Anthony Albanese says he was upfront with the public. What became clear, though, is that uh, you needed, we needed to do more. And uh, over... Summer, that became uh, clear to me. Uh, I sought advice. I said publicly that I was seeking that advice, of course. We didn't hide the fact uh, that we were uh, seeking advice about what to do. Um, But it's our decision. Our decision, and we take responsibility for it. 
So should the Prime Minister have been more transparent on changes to the policy? Warren Hogan is a former Treasury economist and understands the ins and outs of how economic policy is workshopped and announced publicly. They would have been looking at a series of options too as well. So this would have been just one of a series of things. They would have been asking advice on a petrol excise cut, a energy household energy rebate. They would have been looking at a whole range of things that they could have done to help low and low middle income Australians um, in with this persistent inflation. Um, and this would have been the one that they chose. So, you know, it gets very complicated if you start sort of socialising all these various things before you've made a call. Zali Stegall, Teal MP, says the Prime Minister lied. You disagree with that? Well, it's the job description of all of them. Um, you know, it's 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 a lie in as much as that they weren't telling the truth, but they didn't know what the truth was in the scheme of what I just said. That is, they would have been looking at a few options. So what does Warren Hogan think of the tax changes? These are minor changes. They have only minor implications for the economy, for consumption and inflation and interest rates. On the assumption that we see the economy play out as, as most economists and the, and the Reserve Bank are expecting, that is a further slowdown. That's economic advisor to Judo Bank and former Treasury economist Warren Hogan, ending David Taylor's report. You are listening to PM with me, David Lipson. You can hear all of our programs live or later on the ABC Listen app. Well, it's been somewhat swamped by the debate around tax cuts and broken promises, but Anthony Albanese's press club address today also saw him target the supermarket sector. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission will conduct a 12-month inquiry into grocery prices and whether customers are being ripped off. Angus Randall reports. Fresh off his announcement promising tax cuts for all Australians, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese pledges to investigate price gouging at the checkout. The ACCC has significant powers and it is the best and most effective body to investigate supermarket prices. These actions send a very clear message. Our government is prepared to take action to make sure that Australians are not paying $1 more than they should for the things that they need. It's the first Australian Competition and Consumer Commission inquiry into the supermarket sector since 2008. The exact scope of the year-long investigation is yet to be worked out, but it's expected to query whether supermarkets are justified in passing on increased costs or lining their pockets at our expense. For the Prime Minister, it's all about fairness. For me, it's this simple. When farmers are selling their product for less, supermarkets should be charging Australians at the checkout less. It's a day of vindication for former ACCC head Professor Alan Fells. He's leading his own investigation into supermarket prices supported by the ACTU and wrote to the Federal Treasurer earlier this week calling for an inquiry. I was very pleased it was recommended by our price gouging ACTU inquiry and it's needed. There hasn't been a comprehensive review. ACCC Chair Gina Cass-Gottlieb says the Commission will use its full range of legal powers to conduct a detailed examination of the supermarket sector. It has significant capacity to gather information from supermarkets and recommend changes, but any policy is ultimately left to the government. Professor Alan Fells says supermarkets can be embarrassed into making change, even if the laws don't. The retailers especially are very concerned about their reputation. They should be if they want to keep customers coming back and shopping around less. 
So findings and recommendations do make a difference to them. What do you think is the best case scenario to come out of this? I think they may uncover some factors limiting competition that should be challenged. I'm not predicting that we're going to get another third big operator. I don't rule out the possibility there could be some new entry by people of the LD kind, and we should do everything to encourage that. In a statement, Woolworths Group CEO Brad Banducci says he welcomes the opportunity to assist the ACCC with its inquiry. He says food inflation has continued to moderate in recent months and he expects this to continue throughout the year. Farmers say they're struggling to understand the gap between what they're getting paid and the price at the checkout. David Jahinki is the National Farmers Federation president. If farmers aren't getting a, a decent price, why are consumers having to pay more? And though on the other side of it, if consumers are paying such a high price, why aren't farmers getting a benefit? He says the inquiry is a good start, but there's a way to go. We need to look at our whole food supply chain, look at how we can become more efficient as a nation, and only then can we actually talk about how can we reduce the cost of food and the burden of consumers. The ACCC expects to publish an issues paper next month seeking views on what the supermarket inquiry should consider. The final report will be delivered early next year. Angus Randall there. Well, locals are bracing themselves as tropical cyclone Kiralee has been upgraded to a Category 3 system bearing down on the North Queensland coast. It's expected to cross the coast near Townsville this evening, bringing with it powerful winds and heavy rains. Tracy Harney is the secretary of the local fire brigade in the seaside town of Kungulla, about 40 minutes south of Townsville. Oh, I'm standing on a side veranda. The wind is actually kind of coming in bouts. Um, we have had a few trees come down already, but they are older trees. We're surrounded by gums and wattles and you know, a lot of native trees. So um, our ground is already a little bit saturated. So with this rain, once the wind gets up a bit, we're going to see a lot of trees down. So when we do get a big blow or anything like this, our water tends to go out because we come, our water supply comes from Guru. So that's under the Horton River. Um, so we have, we pump normally to the households. Um, so we've got we've asked people to prepare for like excess water in bathtubs, buckets, fill all their kettles, uh, everything that they've got. The ABC's Lucy Cooper is in Townsville. Lucy, this cyclone has been upgraded to a Category Three now. What does that mean for people on the ground? Yeah, so we're looking at a severe Category 3 system. So that in the actual classification means some roof and structural damage, um, some cav caravans are expected to be destroyed, power failure likely. So those those kind of official things. But what it means in terms of us on the ground, we're going to be seeing winds straight through Townsville, 165 to 224 kilometres an hour. We're going to, they're going to be extremely destructive. It's going to bring that deluge of rain as well that we've been anticipating uh, between 100 and 200 millimetres of rain. And in some isolated scenarios, they're expecting 300 millimetres. So I think a lot of people on the ground, you know, a Category 1 and Category 2 system is, is manageable. But now looking at Category 3, it just, you know, heightens the anxieties a little bit. So are the locals there prepared for it? 
Well, we've been extremely fortunate. As we saw with Cyclone Jasper in December, I mean, it was extremely slow moving. Again, now, you know, really a month later, it has been extremely slow moving. We've had quite a number of uh, days notice. People have been preparing on the ground, uh, particularly in Townsville. We've seen a lot of sandbagging. People in low-lying areas that are flood-prone have been asked to evacuate. If they have refused, then they've been helped with those sandbags. And so really speaking to not just people in Townsville, but outside the farmers and agriculture plenty of time to prepare. So now it's just a matter of um, most houses in Townsville, um, uh, their rating is a Category 3 cyclone rating. So most people are advised to just stay inside and, and that's what most of us are doing. That's the ABC's Lucy Cooper in Townsville. Vandalism of statues in the days leading up to Australia Day has become commonplace in recent years. But overnight in Melbourne, things were taken to another level with a statue of Captain Cook sawn off at the ankles and graffitied with the words, the colony will fall. It's reignited the debate over the appropriate way to recognise our historical past, as Jacqueline Breen reports. It's believed an angle grinder was used to cut the 110-year-old bronze statue of Captain James Cook off at the ankles before it was toppled onto the grass at a park in Melbourne's St Kilda in the early hours of this morning. It probably took them 10, 15, 20 minutes to get the, uh, get the legs cut off and the statue fell to the ground. Marcus Pearl is a local councillor. He describes the incident as extremely disappointing, but also nothing new. The same statue was doused in red paint ahead of Australia Day two years ago and pink paint a couple of years before that. It's been happening for a while. Obviously, I'm shocked that they've gone to this extreme. Uh, but it's been fairly organised for the past few years. It wasn't the only statue targeted overnight. Red paint was also thrown over a monument of Queen Victoria. Victorian Premier Jacinta Allen today vowed the statues will be repaired and reinstalled. Some historians argue the statues of colonial figures targeted in recent years don't need to be pulled down. Instead, more information and context can be provided to give an accurate depiction of their true role in Australia's history. James Fleckner is Associate Professor of Historical Archaeology and Heritage at the University of Sydney. This behaviour isn't coming out of nothing. It's coming out of a sense of historical injustice and particular experiences of colonisation and invasion and dispossession. So I think we need to come up with methods that are sensitive and appropriate to understand why are people reacting so strongly. He argues adding context to his historical monuments can take many forms. Sometimes it's as simple as adding changes to language in, in any kind of historical plaque. Sometimes it is about removal, and that's the solution that a lot of places, for example, in the American South, have decided on, uh, or recontextualization, say, in an art gallery or museum. It might be about artistic responses to a particular statue by contemporary artists, particularly contemporary artists from the communities who historically have suffered an injustice. The broader debate about Australia Day and the date has raged again this year. This January, it was Woolworth's decision to ditch Australia Day merchandise that hit the headlines. For many Indigenous Australians, the lead-up to this January 26 has been harder than others. 
coming off the back of the failed referendum on the Indigenous voice to Parliament. So this is the first chance since the referendum where the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community have been able to get together to get on the street as a community. Arunda woman Celeste Little helps organise Melbourne's Invasion Day rallies, where turnout has swelled to the tens of thousands in recent years. You know, I think that most people will be aware that there were a a diverse number of opinions in the Indigenous community on on this particular proposal. But what we all kind of shared in common at the end of the day was the fact that this was an exhausting process that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people very much found that our our humanity and our worth as peoples in this country just seemed to be up for debate and we faced a lot of racism, a lot of ignorance and a lot of um, a lot of stress during this time. Shadow Indigenous Affairs Minister Jacinta Numpajimpa-Price is a vocal advocate for maintaining the current date of Australia Day, but the outcome of the referendum and the experience of the debate has triggered a shift for Yes campaigner and former Coalition Government Minister Ken Wyatt, who previously argued against changing the date. Look, given the outcome of the referendum, I have not seen Indigenous people or leaders in the media. I have not heard them be as vocal publicly on a lot of issues and people I know who either supported the voice or didn't seem to have this quietness within the community that I've not seen before. So the impact is there. So I I suspect many will not celebrate Australia Day. I think we will see, sadly, the numbers that are anti-Australia Day increase and therefore that is a reason for us to take the notion of the No Voice campaign of not a divided nation but find a day that unites us. That's former Coalition Minister Ken Wyatt ending that report from Jacqueline Breen and Amber Jacobs. Well, that's all we've got time for on this edition of PM. Thank you so much for joining us. My name's David Lipson. You can find all of our interviews and our reports on the PM webpage. You can also find that interview with the Finance Minister, Katie Gallagher. We will be back at the same time tomorrow. Until then, hope you have a good night.